In the passage I just read, it sounds like Jesus is telling all of us to stop worrying so much about every little thing. And honestly, that's the way I've always preached it, but not today. After reading it again and again last week, I believe this passage is about something we all personally wrangle with, and worry is simply the symptom. Listen again for God's word to you as I read the key verses. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of time? So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Did you hear it? I believe the core message here is about time. How so many people today are depriving themselves of a joyful life by always worrying about time, past, present, and future. And yet when we go outside and we look around at the animals and the flowers, they all seem to be operating on two different time zones. Which is why Jesus said, consider the birds. Okay, let's do that for a minute, but let's be honest in the process. Birds work their tails off. All day long they fly back and forth with twigs and leaves and pieces of straw building their nests. And then a month or two later, they fly back and forth all day long with worms and bugs to feed their young. Do they not? They're busy. But this, several times a day, they gather on a wire or a branch, and they enjoy the moment. They stop and they sing their little hearts out. You see the difference? Birds don't worry about time like people do. Rather, birds live in the seasons and in the moment. And they still manage to get their essential work done. And so they are not slaves to time like we are. Don't believe me just yet? Stop and think about all the idioms we use to describe time. Waste time, save time, do time, run out of time, make up time, fill up time, beat the clock, kill time, living on borrowed time. And lastly, manage time. Manage time, really? I can hear him laughing. I can hear the old preacher laughing across the ravages of time, across 3,000 years of history. And then with a twinkle in his eye, he says this, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. So those are familiar words and they're beautiful and we love them. However, we seldom listen to what the old preacher says next. What gain have the workers for their toil? I.e., what gain have the workers from chasing after time? He continues, I've seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. God has put a sense of past and future into our minds, yet we cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So there is nothing better for us, ladies and gentlemen, than to be happy and enjoy ourselves with the time that we have as long as we live. To know that whatever God does endures forever, and nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken away, i.e., we cannot manage time. And he concludes with this. God has done this so that we should all stand in awe before him. 
That is, we should stand and sing our little hearts out before him, just like the birds. Consider the ravens, consider the lilies. Both Jesus and the old preacher are pointing out that we live in two different time zones, Kronos time and Kairos time. That animals and natures are put on this earth to remind us to take a break from chronological time, all the worry over the past and the future to pause on occasion and be happy to enjoy the gift of God's present time. So what's the difference between the two time zones that we live in? Chronological time is ordinary man-made time. Spatially, it feels horizontal. It is measured by the tick-tock of the clock, by hours and days and our weekly planners. It keeps us organized. In fact, our systems of transportation depend on it. Without chronological time, the modern world would be chaos. However, it doesn't last. Kronos time passes away. And try as we may, we cannot manage it. Our final hymn puts it eloquently. Time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons and daughters away. We all know that chronological time can get the best of us. Sometimes it feels more like a taskmaker than a friend. And because of this, we try our best to manage it. But we never fully succeed. Our mantra is there is never enough time in the day. So we spend a lifetime trying to clear the decks of our 500-plus unanswered emails or the looming avalanche of our to-do list. And the reoccurring problem is as soon as we clear the decks, they just fill up again. And so we are consumed with anxiety. And the result is we never have enough time for important things like the spouse or family member or friend who is clamoring for our attention. Kairos time is different. Where chronological time feels horizontal, Kairos time feels vertical. Simply put, Kairos time is God's time. It is when eternity suddenly breaks into the ordinary and we are absorbed in the moment. One of my favorite theologians, Richard Rohr, describes it as deep time. Deep time are moments when we say, oh my God, this is it. This is the moment when my life all comes together. This is the essence. This is the very life of life. It breaks in and it captures you and it lifts you up. And then he goes on to say this. The key to a happy life is learning to trust deep time, to find our resting place there and not be so wrapped up in chronological time. I love that we rest in deep time. When we make room for deep time, we rest in it. So consider the birds. Consider the lone wild bird. Josh sang it beautifully a few minutes ago. Here again, how the lone wild bird invites us to rest in deep time. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee, great spirit, come and rest with me. The ends of the earth are in my hand, the seas dark deep and far off land. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest with me. 
So deep time is not carpe diem. It's not about seizing the day. Rather, it is when a deep moment seizes us. And then Rohr goes on to say something that is absolute proof of what I'm saying today. And I submit to you absolute proof that there is a God. He says, sudden loss and grief has a way of punching a hole in our chronological time. We've all felt it. It brings us to our knees. And in those moments, we become powerless and surrender to deep time. And the result is a deep peace which transcends ordinary time. A deep, restful peace that passes all understanding. So why is it so important for us to embrace the fact that we live in these two time zones? I believe because now more than other people are so addicted to managing chronological time, they are starving themselves of deep time. Those brief encounters where we experience vulnerability, the vulnerability of peace and joy of deep time. Case in point. Riding the elevator. And I know I keep bringing this up, but it really bugs me. Have you seen the progressive insurance commercial? Dr. Rick is teaching a man to avoid acting like his parents by talking people up in the elevator. Now, in this post-COVID world where public space and private souls are beginning to open up, I don't find that very progressive. Case in point. I live across the green in the Union. It is a one minute and 35 second ride from the lobby to the 11th floor. And it happens a lot, as soon as people walk in the elevator, they whip out their cell phones and they begin clearing the decks. They begin managing time by responding to texts and clearing emails. There is absolutely no eye contact, no vulnerability, not even a smile. Rather, they stand shoulder to shoulder frantically filling up chronological time. Filling up time, thereby squeezing out any chance of experiencing a moment of deep time. But not everyone. Every so often, an older student will get on the elevator and they smile at me, at which point I feel compelled to ask, are you a graduate student? And they reply, yes. And then I ask, what are you studying? And they tell me, which is usually law or medicine in that building, and I say, well, good for you. And that's it, a polite human interaction with no deep moments. And then a few months later, I will ride the elevator again with the same student, and I notice that they look visibly frazzled. So I look at them and I say, how are things going? (laughs) In that instant, deep time breaks into chronological time. And they tell me they're very anxious. They're very anxious about what state they will end up in for their medical residency or if they will pass the bar. At which point I look at them and I smile and I assure them that all will be well. And visibly relieved, they smile and they go on their way. It was a vulnerable, deep moment that began with a simple smile. And my favorite... My favorite was when a young woman who lived on the same floor as me walked onto the elevator for the first time. I knew exactly who she was. In fact, the whole building knew exactly who she was. 
She was a Hungarian princess who was doing a one-year internship at Yale. We all knew this because a week before she arrived, an entourage of staff came and furnished and stocked her apartment, and then they left. So I'll never forget that day. As she was boarding the elevator, she walked in and she said, and what's your name? (laughs) Clearly, she would have flunked the progressive insurance commercial. And what's your name? At which point I realized she was talking to my dog. (laughs) So I answered, this is Luna. And she replied, hi, Luna, I'm Jessica. The three of us rode the elevator together many more times after that. And it was during those rides that she told me that she was majoring in fashion, that she wanted to start her own line of women's clothing. At which point I offered her my unsolicited perspective of women's fashion as a male. I told her how much I appreciated women's clothing that enhances their beauty, but also their power. She loved it. I think I'm going to be in her line of clothing. (laughs) And finally this. It happened at the end of May. I got on the elevator, and there was Jessica standing with her mother and her father and her two brothers. It was graduation weekend. And she was so happy, and the family was so proud. The mother so much so that she was tearing up on the elevator, talking about vulnerable. So I congratulated all of them. And they left for the ceremony. And when they did, the princess looked back and she said, Goodbye, Luna. At which point she knew, and I knew, we would never see each other again. But damn it, we shared a moment. We shared a deep moment in time. A vulnerable, rite of passage, beautiful moment that I will never forget. So take that progressive insurance. Did you know that in this post-COVID world, mental health has not gotten better? With all the unveiling, it has not gotten better. Rather, it has gotten much worse. Now, what do you make of that? It's all over the news. There has been a dramatic increase in anxiety, which manifests itself with deep, deep worry, especially with young people. Remarkably, at the same time and the same rate, houses of worship everywhere continue to experience a dramatic decrease in attendance. Can this be contributing to some of the worry and the anxiety in our world that we're not making time for deep time? I think so. Going to church involves sacrifice. It's having the faith to sacrifice chronological time in order to make room for deep time. The place where we can experience Sabbath rest from the anxiety of the chronological week. A place where in the middle of a prayer or a hymn, as we heard this morning, we are lifted beyond ourselves, where we experience deep time and deep peace. I'm going to close with a poem that's 2,000 years old. It is written in Sanskrit. It is about deep time and deep moments. Look to the salutation of the dawn. Look to this day, this moment, for this is life, the very life of life. In its brief course lie all the realities and truths of existence. 
the joy of growth, the splendor of action, the glory of power. For yesterday is but a memory and tomorrow a vision. But today, well lived, makes every yesterday a memory of happiness and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Live well, therefore, to this day, to this moment, for it is the very life of your life. Bye.